when I saw Sylvie M perform, we were lucky enough to know some people that knew her, um, but she didn't let anyone into the dressing room after her performance because she had an ice bath. Love that. And she, you know, and that was... Of course she did. She's very progressive. Number one priority mm-hmm. for her post-performance. And this was like, this was her last performance season before she was retiring, but she was still making sure she was looking after herself right up to the very moment when she wasn't going to even be dancing anymore. Hello, and welcome to the podcast for ballerinas, adult ballerinas, parents of ballerinas, and everyone in between. I'm your host, Georgia Canning, also known as the Balanced Ballerina, and it's my mission to break down the elitist barriers often associated with ballet. Through my own studios and ballet-related businesses, I'm all about providing space and content for people from all walks of life to experience and enjoy the many benefits of ballet. Each month, I'll bring you industry leaders and thought-provoking guests who will hopefully inspire you to lead a more balanced life, full of grace, with a little grit. How are you? I hope you're having a great week. Now, today we are exploring a method that I've been fascinated with for a really long time. It's called the Wim Hof Method. And if you're a long-time listener of the podcast, it's no surprise that I'm kind of into all things human optimization. And amongst all the podcasts I listen to, documentaries I watch and books I read, a name keeps popping up, Wim Hof. The best way to describe Wim is that he is a Dutch extreme athlete now in his 60s. He's a big ball of love, drinks beer, and his work was sadly inspired by the tragic suicide of his first wife. Some of the crazy things, though, that he's accomplished include setting the Guinness World Record for swimming under ice and climbing Mount Everest and Mount Kilimanjaro wearing only shorts and shoes. He's proven time and time again to be able to resist the cold, suppress the immune system, and most importantly, teach people to do the same thing. But all this craziness aside, the Wim Hof method was not developed so people can also do these insane and crazy adventures. No, it simply focuses on improving the quality of one's life through its three pillars, which are breath work, cold therapy, and meditation. I've personally dabbled in methods that focus on each of these pillars individually, but what I like about the Wim Hof method is that it covers all three. Now, what has this got to do with dancers and our ballet practice? Well, if you've ever been to one of my ballet classes, you'll know that focusing on breath is a large focus of class. I notice when people aren't breathing, I notice when the breath doesn't match the movement. And I also notice when a student is in flow and mastering their breath during class. But on top of all this, I also have a lot of clients, young and adult, that suffer from serious mental illness or more mild anxiety and depression. And whilst ballet is a fantastic moving meditation, look, sometimes they need a little extra direction. And oftentimes I will incorporate some breath work into a private lesson or prescribe a cold shower with legs up the wall just before bed. These simple things, they work. And if I can help everyone find a little more balance and introduce you to a method that I'm personally experimenting with myself, then it might just change your life too. So today we have Queensland's highest certified Wim Hof instructor, Eden Lee on the podcast. Eden is the perfect person to talk about this method for the Balanced Ballerinas podcast because prior to being a Pilates and Wim Hof instructor, Eden was a professional ballet dancer and counts the likes of Stephen McRae, principal artist with the Royal Ballet, amongst his friends and clients. So amongst all the cold therapy and breathing chat, you'll enjoy an insight into Eden's career and general ballet you know, ballet chat that might make these concepts more digestible if this stuff is way out of your comfort zone. (laughs) Anyway, back to Eden. 
Eden has spent the majority of his life studying and refining his knowledge of many health and physical wellness modalities. He is an absolute wealth of knowledge and I must say, absolute epitome of health. Eden trains clients of all ages, abilities and talents at his studio Pilates Central on the Gold Coast in Bundle. And his body conditioning approach endeavours to meet the individual's needs on the day and over time based on the Pilates technique, the latest in scientific research and the decades of experience that he has. I really enjoyed this conversation and I have a huge respect for Eden and his pursuit of mental clarity and calmness whilst improving or eliminating physical pain. You can tell that he just loves his work and to be honest, anyone who has a passion for what they do is someone that I want to share with the Balanced Ballerinas community. So without further ado, here is Eden and my conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it and get something out of it. Hey, Eden, how are you? I'm very well, Georgia. How are you? <laughs> I'm um, pretty excited, actually. I've been excited all day to have a chat to you, and this is actually my first conversation back in real life. So the last few episodes I've been doing have been via Zoom. Yes, in real life. It's much more exciting. Yes, and the quality will be just so much better. So the listeners will be happy. I was wondering if you could um, start off by giving everyone a little introduction to yourself and your work. And Sure, sure, sure. Um, currently, I run a Pilates studio and I'm a Wim Hof Method instructor. Um, I'm absolutely obsessed with hacking into our physiology, uh, but I like to do it through natural means like breath work, cold exposure, environmental conditioning. Um, On the Pilates side, I started Pilates as a client in 1986 when I started ballet dancing quite late in life. Mm. And then I've sort of did it throughout my dance career and now I torture people for a living, which is quite (laughs) lovely. Um, And I went through the Aussie Ballet School, I danced with the Queensland Ballet and... Western Australian Ballet. I love how you're just skimming over this. So <laughs> it's important because we have a ballet-focused ballet community that listens. Um, so how old were you when you started? I was, ballet? I think I just turned 16. Yeah, that is late. Yeah. And I, I'd done a lot of martial arts, so I was fairly flexible. Mm-hmm. And I'd sort of gotten bored with Taekwondo. We'd sort of, I'd hit, I'd hit the black belt sort of level. Yeah. And um, I was looking for another challenge. I really wanted to do gymnastics. Yep. But by then I was already six foot tall and lucky to be 50 kilos ringing wet. So it was the 80s. You'd turn up somewhere because you had to turn up somewhere and they'd look at you and go, you're, you're a dreaming kid, you know. Yep. You can't be a gymnast. So then I thought, oh, I'll learn how to dance in a, in a nightclub because you could get into nightclubs then without ID. <laughs> and, uh, were you living in Melbourne? Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up in, in the inner city of Sydney. So we were, you know, we're going out into King's Cross and doing very foolish things thank heavens there was no social media then i gotta tell you um <laughs> but i ended up in the wrong wrong class and yeah. you know being being a guy and I, I showed a little bit of talent and it was a contemporary dance class and i thought contemporary would mean i'd learn how to get funky and get down in the nightclub a lot of people don't know what contemporary is no. they really don't and the teacher sort of put her hooks into me and went come with me little boy yeah and then they said, you know, if you want to improve your technique, then do some ballet. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, being a teenage boy, I needed quite a bit of direction. And it was the discipline and the rigor that I really, really appealed to me. A lot of people get into dance because they like the performance aspect, mm. whereas I, I like to work hard. Um, and I had to learn to love the performance side of it. And I did end up loving it. Mm. But uh, it was really that focus and that's again what I get out of sort of Pilates and now you know environmental conditioning stuff as well it all obviously jigsaws together quite nicely it certainly does mm. and I think that's a big part of the balance ballerina's sort of mission is that I do bring in people to talk about things other than dance because I think that it's really good to have a, a wholesome approach of a few different methods in your life oh, as absolutely. opposed to one thing because you know, a bit of everything or good stuff creates a whole person. A whole person and a, a better artist. And that's what a lot of people, um, especially with the, the the benefit of hindsight, looking back, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure everyone can look back on life and go, I wish I'd done this at this point and this and this point. Mm-hmm. But that's the, 
the whole picture that makes someone a better artist um you know we're quite good friends with Stephen McRae and in the Royal Ballet and his one of the things that make him makes him so incredible is he's always looked at other areas he's also been a tap dancer throughout his whole ballet journey as well um he's certainly not a one-trick pony and that no. really makes he's makes amazing, amazing. Mm-hmm. I um I love following him on social media here he is such a great role model for, for young dancers especially Absolutely. and he's um, going through quite a couple uh, quite a few injuries lately mm. and different surgeries and whatnot and he just has the best just best mindset around it absolutely mm. absolutely and that's what I mean yes you can go into the intricacies of those those situations in life but really it's it's um, the way so often it's the way you approach it the attitude you would come into the situation with sort of helps you go through the situation as well so yes absolutely he's um he's and the way you know i think he draws a lot from his family as well a lot of inspiration and a lot of um strength and support they're really a quite a solid unit they do look like a very solid unit it's nice to see yeah he he definitely it's nice to see when people credit their family too for their success as well like they're helping them get to where they are as opposed to pretending they did it all by themselves (laughs) yeah no one's an island that's no one does it by themselves no one does it by themselves yeah, that's why sometimes when I have a young dancer that, that you know, they do aspire to perhaps be a professional, I, th- I sort of think, okay, well, it's actually not just about you. We need to look at your family because your family is really important, whether they're going to support you because mm. it also takes a lot of money <laughs> and well, a lot of encouragement. They're going on the journey with you too. Yep, exactly. So I guess um, what I wanted to cover is that idea of being a whole dancer um, during our conversation because you are quite the body conditioning expert, I would say. Um, Thanks. So you are, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I've, I've been following, as we've found before this conversation, you realise that I, I do follow you yeah. <laughs> from afar and keep tabs <laughs> on your work. Yeah. You just got to get better at promoting it. I do. That's what I we're do. doing here, though. I've got to get out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, because um, you've got some really cool stuff to say. So I wanted to um, first quickly ask, how did you go from professional dancer world into Pilates world? Uh I think through in in dance again what what really attracted me to dance was not just the mental discipline but that that physical like accessing your mind sort of through your body sort of the, almost like a bottom up approach mm-hmm. which also comes that's also how the Wim Hof method works a lot which is also what attracted me to that and um so when I, it came time to hang up my my ballet shoes very sad time it was can i ask um, how old you were i was mid to late 20s yeah so it's been a while now were you um, did you have injuries or just you were like it's about time as a dancer i never thought i had injuries um but then when you talk to the regular population i had a swag load of injuries really but it wasn't that wasn't the main reason we'd been overseas and we'd had some great experiences and it was time to either commit to staying overseas longer or coming back and starting again and if we're starting again um was either going to be starting again in dance or starting again in something else and i was quite long in the tooth for a dancer to start really at that sort of juncture so it was um you know sometimes you get a chance of think you know think to yourself oh it's time to time to move on and because i wasn't again performance wasn't my main thing with dance it was the physical thing i could move into other things that had a similar outlet so mm. i sort of i played with going into body work i was doing massage therapy and myotherapy and i was doing still doing pilates at that stage as well and that was about the time when there was a massive surge in celebrities doing pilates you know mm-hmm. madonna was like oh i do pilates and all these people so i just sort of got dragged towards pilates yeah in a, in a way i still very occasionally do a little bit of body work mainly on family members much to their unhappiness <laughs> i'm not a gentle myotherapist no <laughs> um, i'm more functional it's all about function yeah getting getting you know solving the problem as fast as oh possible. when i have a massage and they're like yeah. oh do you you know what pressure i'm like go for gold go hard <laughs> absolutely otherwise i i get too ticklish too yeah <laughs> i'm like no you have to hurt me so i don't yeah. laugh you can't tish- tickle uh, tickle somebody with an elbow that's for sure no you can't you can't <laughs> so you've mentioned already a couple of times um wim hof method yep. now i'm very familiar with this um but 
I'm guaranteeing you there are a million people on the end of this podcast listening going, what is he talking about? What's Wim Hof? And I really wanted to talk about it because I've been sort of delving into um, experimenting a little bit with breath work and also just really simple. It's in class, in my body conditioning classes, adding a, a breathing component to my youngest nice. student's body conditioning class because it's really funny when you actually ask them to breathe properly and you feel a completely different vibe mm. in the room and parents not knowing what I'm doing in the room have said to me, oh, she's, you know, she's just so happy when she leaves and she was in such a good mood and thank you and blah, blah, blah. And just thinking we were dancing and yeah. it's like, well, actually I got us all to sit down and breathe for 10 minutes properly. It's, and it's, um, yeah, it's yeah, always it, been a big um, thing in my adult classes too, just reminding everyone to breathe. And I usually crack jokes about it, yes. but now I'm actually sort of delving a bit further and, and I've always, you know, briefly and casually brought it up, but now I'm really sort of tapping into it a bit more seriously. So I wanted you awesome. to chat about Wim Hof awesome. method. Wim, the Wim Hof method. Well, Wim, well Wim who Hof is Wim is, Hof? Is, um, <laughs> he's a Dutch man. He, he's crazy. He's a cra He's like a 70s hippie. I love it In a lovely way. He is like, he's like a great big throbbing heart. He's just all love, essentially. Um, and he, he's from, he's a, he's a twin and he's from quite a large family. Very, very smart man, but he did drop out of school early. But in that process, he, he actually dropped out of school, but he taught himself Sanskrit. He did the first Dutch translation from Sanskrit of a yoga manual. Wow. Um, to do that is quite intellectually rigorous, I would say. Yeah, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that. Uh, phenomenal, teaching yourself Sanskrit. Um, but he also, he's, I think he speaks about six or seven different languages. Um, all of them with a heavy Dutch accent, which is lovely. Uh, but there's all these old photos of him in yoga poses from the early 70s, you know, doing crazy yoga stuff. He looks like an Indian yogi, essentially. And then he's gone on to develop um, the combination of breath work with cold exposure and a little bit of heat sometimes and mindset. And he sort of combined all these things together from different... Um, different cultures there's a little bit of tibetan tumo breathing in there obviously a lot of yoga um and the best way to put it is uh, somebody said to me once that it's like there's all these different recipes for chocolate cake mm -hmm. but wim has got these ingredients together and he's made a chocolate cake which is it's easy for people to make and you get a guaranteed result every time and he's so phenomenal it. yeah it's just it's a nice way to put it because there's so many different schools of breath work and a lot of them are a little bit bristly about how well he's managed to get into the 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 more sort of the, the space where everyone like so many people have heard of Wim now you know he's got I think he's got five or six million people yeah. follow following him on Instagram and things like that because I think a lot of people some of his critics say you know oh this is nothing new and I'm like well okay yeah breathing is nothing new mm. but he's very he packages the information in a very digestible way and i guess because he's so charismatic as well yeah. and that's what sometimes you need to get uh, a message across absolutely and i think his message is so like he's been sent saying his message for 30 years mm -hmm. and it's just taken social media and actually his son einem has runs his business now um before that he'd had 36 different managers and they'd just fleeced him because he's not a business guy he's just like i said he's just a throbbing heart he's the and he's just yeah. putting he's just putting energy into the world and it took his oldest son to focus that energy into a way that could be more accessible i found him on an online course mm -hmm. um since then i've met wim and yeah. obviously I'm, as an instructor he was integral in me becoming an instructor and um what does that involve Becoming an instructor. You've got to do the online course and then there's a master process to go through and then an advanced as well. So you, it's sort of spread out over about 12 to 18 months. Um, I can't, with the whole COVID situation, I can't see them probably doing another training in Australia in the near future, mm. um, which is a pity because there's, there's plenty of opportunity for people to get out there and upskill a little bit in that regard. Um, but on, on the flip side, it means if I get out there, Georgia, I'll be in high demand as a Wim Hof exactly. Method instructor. Well, you, you, you are, aren't you the highest um, trained in Queensland? 
of Wim Hof? Yes. Yeah, there's um, there's different levels of instructor and yeah. I'm, I think there's only one other person in Australia actually who's a level two. There you go. And that's, um, that's Johan and he's sort of based in the snowy mountains at the moment. So. I knew you weren't going to say it, so I will say it for <laughs> you. You're Thank the you, yes. go-to Wim Hof guy. Yes, I'm the Wim Hof guy in, in Queensland. <laughs> well, actually, it's funny. When, when, when I was going through the final stages of the instructor training with Wim, and we were da- I was down, I think I was chucking ice in an ice bath and we were all preparing, and Wim was up on the top of the hill. And he's going... Eden, how you going, man? I'm like, yeah, good. Where are you? And he's, I'd been speaking to his um, partner the night before, and he said, I'm going to name my son Eden because he's, he's got a little boy now who's just yeah. a little bit over two, and he named him Eden. And I'm really? Like, yeah, which is awesome. And I'm like, oh, there's That's a little cute. Eden running around in the world out there now. That's so funny. <laughs> Was cute. he fascinated with your like dance background? Um, not particularly. He's he's um. When I met him, actually, he had been in America and he had mm-hmm. been talking to a lot of celebs. Um, and I think he had just been doing some work with Beyonce and he also was speaking to Jim Carrey. Um, of course he was. <laughs> it's like, you know, he'll, he'll go and run around in that world. But because of the, the person he is, he treats everyone, oh, everyone would be as, the same. And, as pretty much an equal. Um, so it's really interesting. But... Um, he was saying how lovely Beyonce was and how much she loved having an ice bath. <laughs> I think she hit some new high notes, <laughs> which was great. But um, And he was trying to get Jim Carrey to do, um, they do an expedition up Mount Kilimanjaro yeah. to try and raise money for charity, actually. Um, he's very big on supporting the Maasai in Africa because they are having quite a few ecological problems over there. Yeah. And he's taking that on board. So for those that, that don't know, another way of sort of quickly describing Wim Hof is that he uh, he climbed Everest in his shorts, didn't he? Shorts and some shoes. Yep, yep, shorts and some shoes. He's done Kilimanjaro in like his shorts. He, they, oh, he holds the record for the fastest ascent of Mount Kilimanjaro, not mm. being acclimatised to altitude. Um, and he took quite a large group with him and not everyone made it. Um, but when they spoke to, they took doctors with them, of course. Yeah. Um, but when they spoke to people who's mountaineers and people who specialise in that sort of thing, they they all gave the whole expedition zero chance of success. Yeah. And essentially, he took, I think it was about seven eighths of. I think they only left two people who ended up getting some pulmonary edema, edema, mm-hmm. which is one of the bad effects of going to altitude too fast. But everyone else made it. Mm. And um, in a record time. Through his breathing methods. Using his breathing techniques. his mindset training, yeah. Because yeah. I've done Kilimanjaro and when I got to the top, I was bloody freezing. Okay. I had my hands down my pants trying to get some thing, <laughs> some, some, some feeling in my fingers. Yeah. And and I remember my uh, climbing partner, Uncle Mike, he was looking at me going, are you okay? And I'm like, i got to get down. I just got to get down. Yeah. So I know how cold it is at the top. Well, so he just, was also wearing shorts on that I know he was well. wearing shorts. That's why I think, what a nutter. But... um. Yeah. It's amazing though, I guess, his method for like, I guess me comparing, I know how cold that is to mm. his method must be pretty spot on if if he can take, and, that, and that's the thing. A lot of people go and he's proved it. It's not just mm. him. They can go, you're a freak of nature, but then he's he's very famous for taking a, a big group of people very famous. and saying that anybody can do this and he does it with them uh, yes. and he proves it every that's, time that's one of the big things that really attracted me to him as well wasn't he wasn't just saying i'm the guru follow me he was saying i'm not the guru i can teach you to do exactly what i can do and um one of the the first parts well first things he did that really got the attention of the scientific world was essentially he was looking for a way of getting some more attention to, to spread the method because he obviously feels it's valuable for humanity to learn this stuff um, and he was at Rubberwood University and he was literally wandering around the corridors looking for somebody and he um, just happened to walk past this uh, professor's room and it was they were talking about the autonomic nervous system and talking about immunity and how it's not a conscious process. And um, the little guy literally said, you know, nobody can, can consciously control this stuff and Wim stuck his head in and said, I can do it, I can tell you how to do it. Um, and to his credit, the professor didn't just close the door and yeah. leave it at that, they, they ended up having a conversation and that led to the first scientific study with Wim where they, um, in lab conditions, they put him in a lab 
put him in the ice, he started his breathing method and they injected him with an endotoxin. And they took it, they were taking bloods every five minutes, all these vital signs. And most people get horrendous flu symptoms mm-hmm. during this time. Um, vomiting, diarrhea, massive fevers. And these symptoms peak at about an hour and a half. Wim got a mild headache and that was it. And mm-hmm. they said exactly as you just said, oh, he's obviously a freak, freak of nature. You're the only one that do it. You've been training for 30 years. And he said, no. I can train anyone to do this. I'll give me a give me people, and I'll train them to do it in seven days. Um, they got twelve volunteers, and that's the thing too. It's not like he's taking these people away for three months in the hills. It's no. like give me seven days, and I'm good. Yep, and we're and we're there. So he got um, these twelve guys. They're all guys, and and a uh, also that control group, which was pretty unfortunate for the control group because they were going to go through hell. Oh my god! Um, but he ended up only training them for four days. And then they continued the training until the, their study went. And some of them got better results than Wim got, probably being guys in their 20s. Yeah. Um, but they all had very similar results. They, none of them got horribly ill. All of them didn't get a fever. All of them had a relatively good time mm. compared to the control who had an absolutely appalling time. And then from there, there's been a raft of scientific investigations. Um, the biggest trouble Wim's having is um, getting money because who do you get to fund these sort of things mm. but he's been to Wayne State University where they've done brain scans and he's shown on a functional MRI machine that he's been able to consciously access the deeper reptilian parts of the brain which are meant to be way beyond any conscious control and again he's saying you know it's not me anyone who's been doing this for a little while can access that same part of their brain and it's just it's showing promise for PTSD, depression, anxiety, chronic pain. Uh, The internet is filled with people who are suffering from especially chronic um, inflammatory autoimmune Mm -hmm. conditions, um, if not curing, but certainly managing or helping to manage these situations. So it's not a panacea by any means, but it is an incredible tool or an incredible set of tools that people can use to really, really um, help everything you know and every that, aspect of and life. i guess that's the thing too who's going to fund the research when it's actually going to eliminate the need for a lot of drugs and a lot of the things yes, that no one going that costs. yeah that we that we spend money on and keeps mm. the economy going Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, yeah it's um it's a tricky one and i guess you know we're talking about crazy people climbing mountains in their in their underwear but if we take this down a notch to someone applying it to their everyday life, what are some of the benefits that, that people can see? And then we'll, we'll talk about and go into the actual technicalities of the breathing, breath work and cold immersion therapy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think in a lot of ways what, what the breathing techniques are like, it's like somebody finding exercise for the first time who's never exercised mm. and suddenly realising and finding out that they can get stronger. So obviously, yes, we all breathe moment to moment it's probably our most immediate concern Um, but it's like walking it's not something anyone's ever considered on how to do how to do better how to perhaps play with the rhythm and I think when you again bring it back to dance if you see a really good dancer one of my favorite dancers is Alessandra Ferry she's a little longer in the tooth now but she is just phenomenal to watch and when you watch her dance you see every movement movement is a breath you know she she's dancing not just with the rhythm of the music but she's she's breathing her emotions as well and that Mm. just that projects whether you're a meter away or if you're at the back of the theater she really just is amazing and i've never been a really big sort of ballet groupie but when it comes to her that she's one of my oh if she like if she was performing somewhere in the world and we could get there i'd be like let's go and see it because she's just phenomenal is she performing anymore like because she's how old she she in her 50s? She must be late 50s, yeah. I would say. But I, I was lucky enough to be doing a, um, a, a season with the Aussie Ballet yeah. and she was the guest artist there. And, like, I was just sitting on the side of stage. Forgetting your cues because you're too busy just, I her. was just, like, even in rehearsal, I just made sure I'd just go and sit side of stage in rehearsal because I was just like... And it was me and this other guy who had I had nothing in common with. <laughs> And we were just sitting there going, oh, she's just so great, isn't she? Oh, yeah, she's just wonderful. It was just ridiculous. Um, 
and there was some other Russian guy who I should have been much more into because he was a guy doing phenomenal tricks. But she like the emotion, and it came back to how she breathed and how she moved with the breath, mm-hmm. and that is really um, so fundamental. So it's not just from an artistic point of view as a dancer, you know, Functional. finding rhythm and everything, but it it is a way to, and I, I don't like the use of the word hack, but it's a way to access these deeper physiological things you know and I, I like to say that if you don't think breathing is important then stop doing it see how you go yeah you know because essentially it is ultimately well I think sometimes people think about breathing as I'm breathing I don't need to think about it mm. it does that make sense yeah but then recently since I've sort of been experimenting a little bit and toying with it there's mm. breathing and then there's breathing like there is a big difference when you uh knowing how to connect your breath properly and i think there's a lot of people going through life without actually their day without actually taking a proper breath um and it's really interesting when you are in a like i know when i'm teaching a room full of you know 15 women adult ballet Mm. and i can before i hit play i can sense that the room is just a bit tense and i'll i'll go i'm not hitting play until we all take a breath and you know making and cueing everyone that that breath at the start of their plie exercise or whatnot is actually a time to take a breath but yes to actually do that yes and the shoulders drop and it looks smoother Mm. and the neck relaxes and the mouth relaxes and And that's just one breath and that's one that's let alone you know if if they breathe like that through the whole day Mm. and that's um that's one of those things and that again why i'm so passionate about it is you can literally change your whole emotional and physical being and your whole mental state without using the brain to do it you use your breath to do it so you're not you're not trying to use the monkey mind is often used in Mm. meditation as an example you're not trying to use the monkey mind to calm the monkey mind you're using the breath a different tool entirely to help calm that monkey mind and just put it to one side a little bit and that um that the value of that it, it's hard to understate really i haven't met and i've met a lot of people doing this sort of stuff i haven't met anyone who isn't profoundly changed just by even just five minutes of a really basic mm. breathing in a box pattern which we can perhaps talk about later if you like mm-hmm. but um and it just takes you know as little as 30 seconds can change especially if you're going into a meeting or some other situation mm. stressful situation pre-audition anything like yes. that you know you just take that little moment which no one ever mentions you know i've i'm back in the day when i was auditioning <laughs> in europe and i literally i'd been traveling for about 36 hours straight from australia got off the train in hamburg chucked my bags in a locker and sprinted to a taxi ran in and after travelling for 36 hours, ran to the front of the bar and sadly was at the front of the bar in front of the panel at the Humboldt oh, Ballet no. with my little heart going bum, 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 bum. And then that one breath, yeah. as you were saying, mm-hmm. with the PA, didn't quite fully calm me down. <laughs> but it went a long way to me being, being able way. to get into a bit better mental state despite jet lag and all this mm. other stuff going on. So. Yeah. yeah. So what? Um, so what is the the practical, actual? You know, what what are we doing when we're doing Wim Hof method of breathing? Let's start uh, with that. Uh, we, well, we can talk about this for days. Literally, Georgia, yeah. we can talk about it. For I days. know. In an in a, as much in of a the, nutshell as we can possibly. Yeah. Lovely. So, yeah, a quick overview essentially of what the Wim Hof does is it really helps access our autonomic nervous system. And essentially there are the two main branches. Mm. So autonomic means theoretically automatic. Um, but we've got our sympathetic nervous system. If you think of that as your fight, flight, freeze, that's our stress response. Yeah. And we've got our parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest, digest. And this is where we're going into homeostasis, which is where our body fixes injuries, looks after itself. And that's pretty much where you want to be most of the time. Mm-hmm. And so essentially with the Wim Hof breathing, we're pushing right into the sympathetic nervous response and then we're going way back out the other side into the parasympathetic nervous response. So we're covering this massive spectrum. And again, in that Rabud study, they found that um, Wim's adrenaline and all the test subjects, they were emitting more adrenaline than most people emit on their first ever bungee jump. Wow. So you're peaked, really. You know, you're 
amped up to the max. Well, as he says, it's getting high in your own supply. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, but what then we're doing is we're going right back down into the parasympathetic, rest and digest. And what this does is you sort of, they call it sort of like a reset paradigm where you're going, because you're going from one full spectrum to the other, where most of us are sort of only just fluffing around in the middle a little bit. Um, and it sort of resets your, your, your base level so that you can then have choice about how you react to stress. So really it's giving you a much more sense of control. Um, and there's all sorts of other things in terms of immunity. Um, it, it, not only the cold improves your immune response, especially in ice bath, you actually double the number of white blood cells and that effect lasts for two plus weeks post an ice bath but it also down regulates how active your immune response is so um, it's like again again a, a nice analogy is fitness so you're making your immune response fitter faster stronger mm -hmm. but a bit more relaxed as well yeah. so uh, you know it's not overreactive and that's why so many people that have um, autoimmune conditions really get a lot of benefit out of it because they're not they're not switching their immune response off which is the way a, a lot of medications deal with it but they're just down-regulating it so their body stops attacking themselves. Yeah. Um, and that seems particularly poignant in the current times. Yes. But um, nobody has said anything about viruses because they're a bit different to the, um, the um, bacteria that Wim was injected with in the study. Yeah. It's a whole different um, set of... Essentially, bacteria go outside the cell, the extracellular activity, um, and then viruses actually go into the cell and take over the cells and then they make self-replicating little machines. Yeah. So it's a bit nastier in that regard. So if you're practicing the Wim Hof method, what does that look like? A breath a breath work and a cold shower a day? <laughs> uh, no, I'm a particular kind of crazy. Yeah. I do I do, do breath work every morning. Yeah. Generally. Um, what does that what does that look like? Does so that take ten minutes? 20 minutes, five minutes? It's, it's a, it's, some days I do an extended version, but most days it's about 20 minutes. Wow, yeah. Then I have a bit of a stretch, depending on how much time I've got. And I usually have an ice bath about five or seven days a week. I've got a chest freezer at home of that I've course you modified. Do. <laughs> <laughs> and I get in, and the chest freezer sort of floats around sort of about minus two to zero degrees. Because yeah. I put some uh, magnesium salts in there to I've keep it liquid. I've always wondered um, how they work. They, so, so with the chest freezer that you've got at home that you pop yourself in, mm -hmm. it'd be huge, Eden. You're like a tall man. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a 500-litre chest freezer. <laughs> it be it's beautiful. Huge. So do you just have like ice in there all the time? How does this work? How does it stay cold? It's like a slurry. Okay. And oh, it, so it's like a big slushy. A big slushy. <laughs> It's a big slushy. I love it. And you plug it in, so it's like yeah, it's on a timer. Because okay. if it was on all the time, it would be just a solid block of ice. Gotcha. And that'd be no fun. That's why I was trying to work out how yeah. how that works. Yeah. And like I said, I put magnesium salts in there, and that mm -hmm. lowers the freezing point of the water. And then I just get in, and you just got to you know, as the seasons change, you got to get the timing right. And I get in from five to ten minutes. And I've done a little bit of math essentially in if i stay in for 10 minutes yeah and the temperature change in the water i'm burning about 700 calories in 10 minutes wow which is essentially equivalent to going for a hard run for about an hour 10. okay so obviously everybody can't invest in a ice chest in their backyard no i'm in my apartment having a cold shower every morning is that just it's, as benefit? Not probably not no. just as beneficial, but it is of some benefit. It's definitely. Please of tell some me benefit. I'm doing this. You're doing a great and, thing, Georgia. You're really looking after and yourself. And it's worth it. <laughs> it's, it's totally it's, worth it. It's really hard right now in winter. <laughs> yeah, but even like here we are on the Gold Coast, and I think even on the coldest winter day, I think I've again checked that the um, the shower water. I've never seen shower water come out less than about 18 degrees. I yeah. don't want to pop your bubble. Oh, my gosh. It <laughs> feels like five degrees. It feels like five degrees. Um, part of the reason is water yeah. sucks temp heat and cold out of you at 25 to 30 times more than air. Mm -hmm. So it's about that, um, you know, the conversion from your skin. But essentially, one of the other huge benefits that cold does is it trains the smooth muscles around all your blood vessels. So when you expose yourself to cold, particularly cold water, mm -hmm. all those smooth muscles contract and that's 
a large part of the pain that people feel, especially initially. With training, that obviously gets better like any muscle. Mm -hmm. And essentially that is um, a biological thing that your body's trying to keep yourself alive. So Mm -hmm. especially in your limbs, in the periphery, all those blood vessels contract and that helps centralise the blood to your core which is because your organs are obviously more important. You can get frostbite in the finger, but you need your liver to mm-hmm. live. And then, um, so that's a, like a short-term adaptive response that you have. Um, so in a sense, we have about 100,000 kilometres of blood vessels in our bodies, wow. depending on how big you are, yeah. which is enough to go around the world's equator one and a half times at least. Um, it's unbelievable when you put yeah. it like that, isn't it? It is crazy. In it's every crazy, single one of numbers. us. Yeah. Mm. And then, so you're training your cardiovascular system. Literally, that cold is training your cardiovascular system. And what happens over time is people find that usually blood pressure decreases, um, their resting heart rate decreases, both very strong indicators of overall health. And also, you have a thing called your heart rate variability, which is the spacing between heartbeats. Essentially, it's, a, it's one of the most simple and best indicators of how soon you'll die and, or how healthy you are, essentially. So if your heart rate variability is very big um, or very large number, then you are in tip-top shape. And all those things get vastly improved with even just a cold shower five minutes a day. Yeah. But I don't recommend people start with five minutes. You want to do almost like a little hokey pokey dance. You put your left yeah. hand in, you put your left hand out. Because <laughs> five play. minutes is a really long five time. Five minutes can be an excruciatingly long amount of time. Yeah. Um, when I take people through a workshop and they do their first ice bath, um, we cap them at two minutes. Mm-hmm. And But I always say you don't have to stay in for two minutes. That's the maximum amount of time I'm going to let you stay in. Yeah. Um, and various... I find people, actually, a lot of fit guys have the hardest time of all because usually they have a bit of inflammation yeah, um, and they get the most annoyed by it, essentially, because they're, you know, big muscular guys, very yeah, much, I can and do then they're this. like, oh, I've got to get out, I'm hurting, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. And then, you know, you get, typically, I've had, I have had some dancers and because dancers are quite stoic, they just get in. Mm-hmm. And then look at you like, I'm staying in until you get me out of here. doesn't matter how much it hurts. Um, yeah. Which also isn't necessarily always a healthy attitude as well. You know, you need to, part of this is not, it's not just to do these things because you're tough. It's, you're yeah. trying to hone your instrument for life and yeah. dance and whatever it is you want to do in life. You know, it's about understanding yourself on a very fundamental level. It's like understanding it, not just how your brain reacts to these weird sensations you know when you start breathing or if you put yourself in cold but it's about how your body reacts to the cold and what what your brain does when you get into an ice bath there is like everyone talks about in meditation being in the now Mm -hmm. and one of the things that getting in the ice really does is it puts you in the now because you cannot be anywhere else (laughs) but right there because it is it is a survival issue Mm. like if you're in the wild somewhere and you fall into a you know, a pond of freezing water, your life depends on you getting out of that and you can't be thinking, oh, I wonder if I left the stove on. Yeah, you know, what's it's for just, dinner tonight? Yeah. what's for dinner tonight? You know, you just have to be there and get out. Mm. And so that also becomes a wedge or a, um, an opportunity to start to work with um, particularly things like PTSD and things like that because you're going through a big stress response, you know, getting in the ice, you get that massive fight, flight, parasympathetic nervous response. But if you have a bit of preparation from the breathing and then you have a bit of preparation with some mindset training, that gives you a, a phenomenal opportunity to really grow as a, as a person mm. and really start to be able to make choices in difficult situations. I've just had like a very small epiphany. So I was thinking when you were talking about being in the moment and I find that a lot of my, my both children and adult clients that study ballet, one of the biggest things I get is that it's a chance for them to think about nothing else but ballet because they Mm. find it so all-consuming. And it is. It's difficult. I say Mm. to people that get frustrated at themselves, I'm like, you could have picked an easier hobby. Like, this is not easy. And And I think maybe maybe one of the reasons why I seek out things like cold immersion therapy or climbing mountains or doing things is because that's my way of staying in the moment. Yes, absolutely. Because ballet to me is not easy i mean it's certainly as you would 
be very well aware I can learn just as much taking a pre-primary ballet class and focusing on my plie. Mm. But yeah, maybe maybe I seek all these things because it's my way of staying in the moment. Absolutely. And also um, I think when some things become familiar, often sometimes you can lose some yeah. value in that. Um, I think that's largely human nature. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of value in novelty as well, you know, seeking difference. Um, so in climbing a mountain, I guess there's not a lot of mountains around here. You don't do it every day, especially no. not a freezing cold one. No, no. There's um, there's quite a few. Be surprised. Okay. Yeah, Gold Coast hinterland. Yeah. Yeah. But um, so a young a young dancer or an adult ballerina, how how would you sort of um, prescribe them uh, some breath work and some cold therapy and and you know, what sort of uh, positives do you think that could bring to their, their practice and just their life in general, really? Yep. Um, probably as a, a first point of entry, I'd say at, at the Wim Hof Method.com, there's a free app mm. um, you can do, and that would take you through sort of the very basics of the breath work and provides a really great way. You know, some people, sometimes people are a bit self conscious about breathing in public, not that we're not all doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, and that's just a really lovely way to do it. Um, there are online courses. Uh, I find workshop situations are great. Mm. There is there's a huge benefit in doing it um, in breathing in a group. You, there's and it depends on what your views on spirituality are, but um, essentially there's there's some amazing stuff that can happen when you get a cohesive group of people together and they're all not just doing the same thing, but they're in the same mindset and sort of the energy is sort of flowing along. And you see that, you know, you see it, see it in a great corps ballet as well. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of echoes with that. Mm. Um, with, the, with the cold, I'd say just start with a very short cold shower. Start warm, you know, be nice. Be nice to yourself, people. Look after <laughs> yourself. Um, and then just have a little play. Turn, turn the hot off and just go cold, just five seconds. And even if it's just half of one arm, just give that a go and then go, okay, I did that. And then the next day, just a little bit more, maybe the, the rest of that arm and just progressively listen. Look, one trap that a lot of people get into is they push too hard too soon mm-hmm. and then they have like a negative experience. So essentially you're trying to use this hormetic stress. So a hormetic stress is a stressor that the body can adapt to for a positive outcome, essentially. So you're trying to use this hormetic stress as a way of training. And it's a bit like stretching. You know, if you're, if you're stretching, you've got to be gentle and listen to your muscles and listen to your body and just slowly expand your capability. Um, if you've never stretched before and you try and drop down into the splits, you're going to tear something and hurt yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to be gentle, listen to how you're going. Half, you know, a lot of the, the changes that you're undergoing are physiological. Some, a lot of them are, are neurological. And we're very complex creatures, you know, we have anywhere between 60 and 80 trillion, so 60 and 80 million million cells in our bodies. All of them are doing thousands of chemical reactions, making proteins, having hormonal reactions every second. That's busy. Mm. And to get all of that building into a new pattern sometimes takes a little bit of time, um, but it's very valuable, you know. Yeah. Um, so in terms of mindset, you're, you're expanding your sense of control and adaptability. I don't like the word resilience because that tends to mean that, you know, you can just put up with something more. But if you adapt to it, it means that you're not just putting up with it, but you can thrive in the environment or you can shift into a new place that is more health promoting. Yeah. Um, so for young dancers... Um, even the cold itself, because of the workload, like most athletes get a chance to periodize their training, mm-hmm. but um, often dancers don't. They no. just have to do it when they're told to do it. Yes, work like a Trojan. Work also. like yep. a Trojan. And um, a large part of that is taking care of inflammation. Your joints, copper pounding, we all hopefully are going to live a really long time and you want to get through dance in good nick. Um, when I saw Sylvie M perform, we were lucky enough to know some people that knew her, um, but she didn't let anyone into the dressing room after her performance because she had an ice bath. Love that. And she, you know, and that was 
course she did. She's very progressive. Number one priority mm. for her post-performance. And this was like, this was her last performance season before she was retiring. But she was still making sure she was looking after herself right up to the very moment when she wasn't going to even be dancing anymore. Um, but yeah, and I mean, what a, an amazing example. I mean, most young dancers, if you go, if they know who Sylvie Gim is these days, um, Sylvie it's good enough for Sylvie, then it's good enough for anybody. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you know, she's incredible. I, I think sometimes, and one of the, another reason why I wanted to have this conversation is I'm constantly asked about, and you would be as well in your line of work, everyone's looking for like a tool or a hack or like a, mm. you know, something they can buy um, to to optimise their life, I guess, and or improve stretching or improve this, so their health, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes it, it's the most... Well, I believe it is the most basic of things like breathing that fixes a hell of a lot of things. Absolutely. But no one wants to hear that because it's too simple. Does that make sense? It's all, it's too simple, but also like so many things it requires work. You yeah. can't just go and buy it. It's something you have to work True. at. You know, it's like, like the classic one is flexibility. I always had, um, even though I'd done martial arts prior to dance and I had enough flexibility i always had to work it i was one of those people that always had to really me too like i was i was looking at pnf stretching before anyone else knew about pnf stretching because i wanted that edge that you're exactly talking about but once i knew about that edge i had to work it and um like anything there's no shortcuts and especially with dance because you are the instrument that you're you're presenting in the world you know, like a violinist, even if they're a great violinist, they can still get a better violin. Mm. You can't just go and acquire a better body. You've got to work with the meat and bones and ligaments that you've got with you. Um, and, and it's yeah, that, that simple and that complex all it at is. the same time. And that's why I like having these conversations on the podcast about, you know, I, don't, I like to, it's really interesting talking and having guests and talking about their careers, but I find the conversations about sort of that human optimization and mm. and body and function really interesting and really valuable to the listener too because their body is their tool yes for what they've chosen to love and do and also like they've got to maximize it mm. to do for what they love and do but also they've got to make sure it's in good nick beyond their hobby or their career or whatever it is because the number of dancers, and I'm certainly one that come out of a career, and I didn't have a fabulous career by any means, but I did manage to have a bit of a career um, with so many injuries mm. that are shockingly bad when you compare them to the general population. You know, footballers have nothing on dancers. Probably the only other sport or only sport you can compare to would be like gymnasts. And that's yeah. because so much of the work is very similar. You know, there's not much periodization. You're working the same joints in the same way so often. And if you have an obsessive personality and you're doing something you absolutely love. Like most ballet dancers. Like most ballet dancers, <laughs> absolutely. They don't, and we, we, you know, half the time it's not work and it's not pain. It's just something that's slightly in your way to stop you getting what you want. Mm. Um, but you have to find that balance between listening to yourself and also optimising what you can do. And inflammation across the board is something that will really stand in everybody's way. Yeah. And um, both the breathing techniques and the cold exposure really put a, a cap on inflammation and help people recover. Um, Again, Wim is a classic example, but he's worked with all sorts of athletes. I don't know if he's worked with any dancers, which is a bit of a shame, but he's worked with people in mixed martial arts. He's worked with sprinters. I think people from every other yeah. athletic pursuit you can think of. He's, he's been in there. He's worked with the Dutch Olympic team, you know, and they've, they've all got an enormous benefit from his work, not just physically, but in that mindset. You know, if you're... If you're trying to get an extra 5% out mm. to perform at your, at your peak, then, um, and you can hold your breath. Again, breath holding, that's part of the Wim Hof technique, is one of those things that, you know, not, most people don't go for more than a minute without taking a breath. And if you ask anyone to hold their breath for a minute, most people are going to start to struggle. Yeah. But then it, at that peak of a breath hold, 
if you can remain curious and just push it that little bit, then it becomes that expands your whole capacity to deal with a bit of discomfort mm. and to remain calm in an uncomfortable situation. And I think that's the thing too, if you can experience and you can get used to a little discomfort in life, because we're all so comfortable. I think that's yes. sometimes the problem that we're all so comfortable and it's really important to seek a bit of discomfort Absolutely. so that when tough times do happen, perfect example now in the world with COVID, but when do, tough times do happen, it's it's a lot uh, you've got the tools to manage and cope with that stress. Mm. Yeah, you've got some resilience and some adaptability. And it mm. doesn't, it's not just like if you can be calm in an ice bath, it's not just that you'll only be calm in an ice bath and that doesn't apply to other stressful situations. It means you'll be, you can be calm in traffic. Mm. You can be calm when you fell out of that pirouette. You know, it means that all those, it doesn't mean that you won't work any less hard you'll still strive for achievement but also when you're in that striving for achievement if you can remain calm you can be more effective as well and that's that's one of the real keys i think is you can if you can have that adaptability and that extra resource that really helps you in all parts of your life really yeah but especially when you're pushing it yeah so um if someone was to come along to one of your workshops what would they expect I'm asking for me. Uh -huh. Well, I think we should have a workshop here, actually, Georgia, just quietly. We can do that. We can talk about that after, if you like. Yep. Um, <laughs> essentially, I, um, I get everyone to introduce each other because, it's again, that group dynamic is really great. And you're going to generally, you're going to go through some interesting things with these people. Mm -hmm. um, generally, then I give them a bit of background, my background, and I've had also had some quite horrendous injuries and surgeries that um, I've... I've come through very well, yeah. only because of my adherence to and regular practice. Mm -hmm. um, and then we talk about some a lot of the science backing up the Wim Hof method. And then we do some breath work and various different breath work techniques. And one thing I like to do is um, talk about the mechanics of breathing because it is essentially mostly a muscular activity that we breathe um, and how to optimize that. And yeah stretching the muscles again my dance background starts to inform that to a degree and then generally we have an ice bath as well and that is do you have a, a, a byo bath do you i've got a big blow up bath that i put about 300 kilos of ice in and then just add a little bit of water so it's just a little bit soft and slushy for everybody mm -hmm. and um one of those like you know people sometimes could do a tony robbins firework thing yeah um Piece this of cake. Yeah. This is a whole new ball game. You can't fake. You can't fake it in an ice bath. And one thing I ask people to do in the workshop too is if we set an intention, mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be shared, and it doesn't have to be a big deal. But if you go in with a certain intention, um, it tends to be very, very powerful and transformative experience. And I find um, also when couples come along to a workshop, mm. um, when they get into an ice bath together, it really is an incredibly bonding experience and you know I, I run half day workshops and two day workshops and um, I've done some corporate work as well but um, even on a half day workshop with a group of sometimes like 30 people this tend to be a maximum for me um, 30 people end up very close mm. even after half a day because they've gone through you know adversity brings people together and as a lot of us will have seen in COVID, especially if you're working as a cohesive, cohesive group. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be really amazing. On the yeah. two-day workshops, we have more than one chance to have a nice bath, which is <laughs> like it's, it's great to do something once, but if you're coming back on day two and yeah. you know you're going to do that again, that, you know, kudos because that's a, that's a huge deal. <laughs> it yeah. really, really is amazing. Because you know what you're in for. You There's know what no you're in like, for. Oh, yeah, nice bath. I can do that. But... You know, and like I said, I've, you know, I've been having five to seven ice baths a week for probably five or six years now. Mm -hmm. And nearly every time I have one, it's a different experience. It's mm -hmm. like it becomes like a mirror in a lot of ways. When you get in, it literally tells you who you are. And I'm not thinking, you know, it's not saying, oh, Whedon, you're feeling very boisterous today. But it's sort of it's telling me how much inflammation is in my body. You know, one time I got in and I 
may have had a little bit too much to drink the day before <laughs> and I didn't really think that I wanted to get in the ice bath and I'm like, oh, it's the last thing you want to do. Stop being a whinger, just get in. But literally as I put my limbs in, mm. a large part of that hangover was obviously inflammation and yep. everything felt better as I got in the ice. Yeah. And I was, by the time I got out and I didn't have my full 10 minute go, um, I felt great. That's a next level uh, hangover cure. Yeah, oh, next level hangover cure, just, absolutely. Just hop in your uh, ice chest out the back. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to catch on, but it Probably certainly not. works. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly works. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, I um, My last question for you. Well, actually, no, it's not my last question because my last question is I ask everyone to give me one tip for leading your most balanced life. Okay. Actually, you can give me the, you can give me the answer to that now if you want. Okay. Um, I would say pay attention to your breath, essentially. If you can spend, and let's, okay, let's just go through some box breathing. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's essentially, right. Essentially, if one tip to really, really help you center yourself is box breathing. And the reason it's called box breathing is because it's visualizing a shape. So essentially, if you breathe in for the count of five, hold the breath in for a count of five, breathe out for a count of five, and then hold the breath out for a count of five. That makes a nice little square shape in my mind anyway. Yeah. Um, and if you just do that five times, you'll feel completely different. Mm. You'll be calm, but you won't be drowsy and you'll be ready for whatever it is you're willing to go. And seriously, that takes like a minute. Yeah. To just And you change your whole physiology, your whole neurology and your whole mindset. If you're listening to this in the car, don't do it in the car. Don't do it in the car. <laughs> Make sure you're in a quiet, safe place. Because <laughs> I just that's know lots sure. of people listen to podcasts in lots the car. Lots of people. Yes, you're right. Absolutely. Yes. And that's the same for all the Wim Hof breathing. You know, mm. when you, if you check out the free app and all that sort of stuff, they really emphasize do it in a safe place where you're going to be either sitting or yeah. laying down, preferably in your lounge room where you're not going to be bothered. Yeah. Last one. Are you going to go to Poland? That's definitely on my bucket list. So Wim's, um, what would you even call his home? It's like a, is that even his home in Poland? Like that little He's ranch got a few homes in, now. The, yeah, in, in the, like hills somewhere where yeah. there's snow and, and. Near Mount Schneska it is because that's, they do, they run courses there for a week. And so you go for like mm. on a week expedition. It looks incredible. It would be so good. Oh. <laughs> I want to like, um, just like gets you COVID. thinking about it, yeah. Because <laughs> um, there is one planned in March. Is it March or May? Or usually, something? yeah, it's the Europe, uh, the Northern Hemisphere winter. So yeah. usually they go from like February through to March. Um, so there's snow, and they I think they're five to seven days. Yeah. And I'd go as an accompanying instructor, obviously, and in groups of about a hundred. Yeah. And so there's a several instructors, and Wim floats around and looks after, make sure everyone's on track, and having fun in the ice and we go through all sorts of different exercises and experiences and then um, the week culminates in a march up Mount Schneska. Usually the temperature is about minus How 25, minus 30. I think it's – well, I'm not sure where you start, mm. but I think it's you about – You probably start quite high. You start quite high anyway. Mm. I think you end up ascending about 1,000 metres. Oh, yeah. And it's about three hours yeah. up. Um, so it's a bit longer round trip, obviously. Um, and you're not wearing much. No. So usually you take a backpack with some supplies and some other clothes if you in, you need it because, you know, you want to be safe and sensible. But most people, it's either, you know, bikini or... Oh, my God. <laughs> there's a, there's so one cool. part of me that thinks there would be nothing better to do. And I'm like excited just thinking about that. Yep. But then there's the other side of me that goes, that's a bad idea, Georgia. You will die. And both of those parts of you are correct. Exactly. <laughs> like that is stupid. And and also maybe there's a third part and the third part of me goes, your mum would kill you. <laughs> mum yes, will kill me. <laughs> but not if you took her along. Oh my God, no. <laughs> Have you met my mum? I haven't actually. Yeah, no. Yeah. That There's no hope. That's Every a bit like single my wife. time, yeah. That's a bit yes. like my wife. Yes. I know when I get my wife in the ice bath that I'm a superhero because she is absolutely loathes the cold. 
I was I was going to ask whether Melissa had been in the ice bath um, because we should probably let people know that. Um, so Melissa, um, she used to work at my studio and yep. that's how we uh, started our friendship and yeah. that's how you and I know each other. Absolutely. Um, she's the most gorgeous ballet teacher. I love her to death. Um, yeah. But yeah, I was going to, I can't picture her getting in the ice chest. No, she is I'm certainly not in the ice chest. I have gotten her to have a little flirtation with a cold shower. And that's about as much as it's gone. But she, yeah. you know, when she was dancing, she was also a ballet dancer. She, um, her warm up was a steaming hot shower for half an hour. <laughs> that sounds like Melissa. <laughs> yep. And then yep. she'd come out all pink and ready to go. She's um, funny. It's just lucky she had so much natural talent, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> um, but no, I know when I, and I haven't given up yet. We've only been together 26 years. So I'm, I'm sure I'll get her in the ice bath at some point, but. Maybe, maybe if I off. come up and visit and I do it <laughs> and then I'm like, come on, don't be a wuss, get in. <laughs> oh, she's good at resisting peer group Yeah, pressure. no, she wouldn't. She'd go, bugger off, Georgia. <laughs> she's going, no, she'd just do what she does to me. Oh, you look like you're having fun in there. Bye. She'd go, I'm just going to sit back with my glass of wine and watch you. Yeah, yeah. and laugh. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> laugh. Exactly. Well, when I said to her, can I have Eden's number because I want to get him on the podcast and have a chat to him, she was like, of course you do, you weirdo. You two will get along fine. Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, no, I know you're not huge on social media but where can people find you yes uh on so for wim hof things it's ice and air whm for wim hof method australia mm-hmm. and for pilates it's pilates gc or awesome. on the web www.pilatescentral.com.au and um just email any questions i'm i'm usually pretty good at getting back to direct contact Awesome. You are. No, thank you so much for uh, meeting me today. My pleasure. It was great. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you, Georgia.